Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only, and I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com, and if you want to join... All you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written, published article, Who Was at the Helm? From 1965, it's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011. 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump much more. And remember, subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week. The cost is less than a beer at a bar, and you get a better buzz with, with the Savage Premium. So go to, go to glow.fm slash Savage Premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much. Welcome to the Michael Savage Podcast. 
I'm speaking again with Malcolm and Simone Collins, authors of The Pragmatist Guide to Crafting a Religion. In part one, you heard how the Collinses met and their unorthodox approach to life in this century. Well, now we continue our conversation and we delve into a dynamic discourse on fertility collapse. We discuss the progressive super virus that is destroying our nation and the Western world and the importance of tradition, culture, and family. I know you're going to enjoy this. They're the most unique couple I've ever met in my life. I'm Michael Savage. Listen. I want to remind people what we're talking about because I'm fascinated by this discussion from both of you. You're very brilliant people. I have to refresh what we're talking about with Malcolm and Simone Collins. You are authors of The Pragmatist Guide to Crafting Religion, which I'd like to talk about in a minute. But really, the the subtitle of this podcast is Without More Children, America Will Die. I'm going to make it simple, something along those lines. You also talk about Detroit. I have to bring that up. Yes. Uh, you, you cited the city of Detroit as an example of what our future could be. Could you explain why Detroit is, Detroit is a model, please? So Detroit, so when we're talking about rapid population collapse, if you look at the last 350 years or something of history, uh, of, of civilization, not just Western civilization, you know, you have seen the economy on average rise. If you shotgunned money onto the market, it would increase on average. And it was increasing on average because two things were happening. Populations were growing exponentially. If you look at a graph, like straight up into the air for a long time. Um, and it wasn't sustainable. And we are not for infinite population growth, but that's what was happening for a long time. And um, the the productivity per worker was increasing linearly. Now, we often think the productivity per worker was increasing exponentially because technology was increasing exponentially. But for whatever reason, it was almost a linear increase. And that's been the case for about 100 years. Mm -hmm. So um, when you have number of workers increasing exponentially and the productivity per worker increasing linearly, yeah, of course, the market's going to grow constantly. But if the number of workers begins to fall exponentially, which population always either grows or falls as a matter of an exponent. Mm -hmm. um, well, then now you have a problem because now you have an economy that's shrinking on average. Well, what has and, it? I'm sorry. What does this have to do with Detroit? Well, we'll get to Detroit in just a second. We unfortunately have set up our entire society as a population pyramid scheme. And a lot of people, they think, oh, it's social security, right? Like I'm talking about, but it's so much worse than social security and Detroit shows how it's worse than social security. Oh. What we did is we leveraged, took out debt against every aspect of our economy from our cities to our states, to our nation states. Debt is a beautiful thing when things are growing. If I make a $10 investment and $8 of that is debt and $2 is equity and it grows just $2, just 20%, that's 100%. My equity investment has grown 100%. If it shrinks just 10% though, just $1, my equity investment has shrunk 50%, not 10%. That we have we had the prosperity we experience in our world today is a facade caused by all the debt we have taken out. And as things start to shrink, as happened in Detroit, you are now paying for police departments pensions that were twice or three times the size they are today with today's tax dollars. So, so all the retired civil servants are living high on the hog. Well, they're not living high on the hog. They worked hard. They, you know, I well, mean, I know, but I, I live in an area where there's a a pension backup of over several billion dollars for one of the cities nearby in San Rafael, California. But yet these, two, like two, a billion dollars in pensions. Where's the money supposed to come from? Well, and that's the thing. They basically took out debt from the workers. If you take a pension and you say future taxpayers are going to pay this pension, you have essentially taken out debt that's not on your books. So what happened in Detroit? Did the population go down or up? Detroit, way down. That's what happened. It went down about 40 percent. OK, so the birth rate in Detroit is declining. Not birth rate, just population. People left. It was well, for other about, reasons. What about birth fertility. rate in Detroit amongst the poor? Well, I, I'm, I'm sure fertility rate may have gone down. I don't know. But what I do know is the population left the city and that functionally that created the same conditions as a population collapse. 
Well, Detroit is a, what's the percentage of the population that's African-American as opposed to European-American in Detroit? Do we know? It doesn't matter, though. The The point uh, that Malcolm's making is when you look at what happens to a city when its population declines, its yeah. infrastructure collapses, its tax base collapses. It's not able to pay pensions anymore. Basically, when people take essentially debt out on the future and say, oh, well, future taxpayers will pay mm. for it. And yet half the future taxpayers disappear you know, you've got a serious problem and that's what's going to happen. Well, you know, people would say that both are you both evangelical Christians? No, we're 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 evangelical in our belief system, but it's it's a it's an iteration of Calvinism. We call it secular Calvinism. Uh, because they, are, obviously, people are going to say you're just trying to populate the earth with with more uh, white Christian people. I, and everybody says this and it's literally the exact opposite, no, goal. which, if by the I way, would be great. I think that would be wonderful. Personally, I personally I think, the, wish you I, were and you were successful at it. But I don't think that's what you're doing. I could do that with just my kids. So if we have eight kids, <laughs> right, and we pass our culture on to those eight kids and they have eight kids and you, you do that kids? for just 11 generations. You two have eight we, kids. Well, well we want to have 13. Way. We're at three now. Um, How many so, are you going to have? We're Smart. aiming for a minimum of seven, hopefully. Um, really? Like we, we use IVF, so we have all the embryos saved. It's just a oh, matter you, of so like, you two are like out of a Huxley novel. I feel like yeah. I'm talking to characters out of Aldous. Oh, Huxley. you don't even know. We we actually our our daughter who's who's staring at me sleepily right now um, was one of the first babies to be selected using polygenic risk score selection. So for any of your listeners who've watched the movie Gattaca, we're there. You can now select for various traits. Um, are you at least are you extraterrestrials or are you real people? <gasps> We're no, the next generation on, of humanity. To, huh? Well, wait, I want to hear what Simone said. What? We're humanity 2.0. We represent what the future is going to look like. Well, you are. Because we're the ones who are early adopters of all of this new tech. We're early adopters of both new cultural and scientific tech um, in reproduction and in family. Wait, creation you mean you two creation. didn't have children um, organically? No. No. All How of our children you? are produced through IVF, and we selected our daughter's embryo wait, based wait, on well, a series of risk me. scores. I your daughter was selected through what IVF. So we we did IVF with our daughter, which people have been doing since the nineties, right? In, but with her in, embryo, in vitro fertilization. In vitro yeah. fertilization. But whose so sperm our, was it? Malcolm's Why? sperm and my egg. But we had our um, all of our embryos biopsied, sent to a lab, and that lab sequenced our embryos, which enabled us to look at various polygenic risk scores of oh those embryos. Oh my god! So this means we're able to look at the relative score related to things like cancer. Because your mom died a horrible fog. death from cancer. Mm -hmm. You want to rule out having a child with that risk factor. Well, we want to reduce the odds that our child develops that form of cancer. And I hear you. No, I, 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 it's really out of Brave New World. It is. And I you, love you that two book, are brave. I don't see it as a dystopia. I see it as a utopia. You, you are from Brave New World. I love it. I do Sign feel like up. I'm speaking almost to another dimension with the two of you. <laughs> I wish we could get together and have a drink together and see what you're really about. <laughs> it's on. Well, huh? this is the great thing about conservatives, right? Progressives want a world where everybody thinks just like them. There is one set I of people. I wish more people thought like I did. <laughs> yeah. We conservatives, we want a world where there's a huge diversity. No, of I don't want it. I want more people to think the way I do. Borders, <laughs> language, and culture. I don't want diversity of thought. Not anymore. I see what it's done to this country. <laughs> diversity so our, our is perversity. That, you want to talk about brave in the world? I mean, my slogans are great. Diversity is perversity. Orwell <laughs> would love me. I wrote your that ideas, 25 years ago. Was I was I wrong when I wrote diversity is perversity? Meaning, yes, it was a cold yes, we word. We argue you're very wrong. I am wrong. So diversity is not. No, but listen, I don't mean diversity in population. I knew that the word diversity was used as a code word yes. for perversity. That's yeah. the whole object. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That's very true. But we, we argue that basically no matter how much you, you know, value your worldview or your beliefs, you will you will hurt it if you put it in a vacuum and you don't let it sharpen itself and compete with against uh, other cultures. So if you if you basically um, protect in a little padded cage your culture and your ideas and your worldview and you don't have them compete against other people, you don't have it challenged, you don't have it. Um, develop and and strengthen itself, you will develop a very, very weak culture and worldview. So and all in, those in, were forced in to inbreeding, inbreeding, inbreeding. Look what it did and produced Prince Charles. <laughs> My God, you're right. But <laughs> beyond that, 
wait, the Orthodox Jews are about the most insular Jewish people I've ever met. They live in their own world. They live in a uh, 17th century view. The Lubavitch people, God bless them. They follow the law. Uh, but they're why do they wear black clothing? When I've said to them, you're wearing 19th century Polish wedding clothing. That's not <laughs> Jewish clothing. If I, you want to wear I, Jewish clothing, dress like a Yemenite with a flowing robe. Oh, my God. Uh, love. It's like corned beef is not Jewish food. I wrote this in, in 1983, a book called the. Uh, the skeptical nutritionist. And I wrote about ethnic nutrition. I said, Jewish food is not corned beef. It's not salami. It's not gefilte fish. That's Polish holiday food. Jewish food would be a Yemenite diet from the desert. Yeah. Same with Italian food, veal Parmesan. That's not Italian food. That is Italian 19th century holiday food. If they ate like that, they would have died off from heart attacks and cancer. <laughs> But it's it's their cult. So cultures evolve over time. I mean, cultures don't live in a stasis. That's why we like cultural diversity, because it allows cultures to evolve and change and adapt to new environments and traditions. And some of those traditions work. Some of them make some of those cultures resistant to fertility collapse and other cultures not resistant to fertility collapse. What scares us about progressivism is it's like this virus. And as soon as a culture becomes infected by it, anything that makes them genuinely different often disappears. So if you go to a progressive uh, you know, uh, synagogue versus a progressive church um, and you scratch beneath the surface of the superficial holidays, most of their views about the world are very, very similar. Yes. If I go to a conservative synagogue versus a Mormon temple versus an Amish community, everything about their worldview is different. And that to me is really interesting. And so this is where I think you have this fake diversity, which is pat on wow. the head. Well, oh, you know, yeah. we like that you superficially look different and you have a few different holidays and uh, you maybe dress a bit different. Right. Key point. What's but, that gun? Be I'm looking at you and you have a gun. Be you sound like a, you know, I'm looking at you. You sound like a, you look like a young progressive guy. So you're very deceptive looking. You could go to any college campus and be taken into an Antifa rally as one of their own. And you don't. And yet you have a gun behind you. What's that gun about? It represents something to you, doesn't it? Oh, there's a gun behind Simone, too. I mean, we've got lots of guns in our house. Um, what is that? A shotgun? It's a double barrel shotgun. It's an old timey hunting rifle. Uh, this one isn't uh, uh, working. The one behind Simone's uh, an AR. Simone, I don't, um, let's see your rifle. I see your ceiling. I'm joking. <laughs> so so the um, yeah, I mean, so we believe Aren't you in the same house. Yeah, we are. Yeah. But I'm uh, I'm right next to an infant. So in case she starts crying, I can mute. No, I like to hear the infant. That would be a very colorful addition to the podcast. <laughs> so, the well, I mean, I think the one thing when we talk about different cultural groups, uh, one of the things we argue in our book is that uh, cultures, some cultures believe that protecting the family is a moral mandate. Um, and most of these are rural specialist cultures, and they typically come with a few other uh, things like cultures that believe this often believe that a, a child is almost being abused if they don't grow up with a dog. You know, like there's if a if few they don't grow up with a dog, cultures have in common. Did you say a dog? Yeah. They, say that again. So mo generally, when a culture believes that protecting the family is a moral mandate at the level of the individual, there's a few other things that they hold in common. One is is dog ownership around kids. <laughs> another, <laughs> another is his distrust of institutions. Um, and we come from one of those cultural uh, traditions. And that's one of the reasons we have guns, because we believe what, it's a moral you mandate. Mean the two of you separately come from that? Yes. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Gold, 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 bank collapse, bank collapse, gold. What am I talking about? Gold prices have jumped as fear spreads in the banking sector. That's what I'm talking about. The collapse of Silicon Valley Bank has people running to gold, which has survived the test of time. Now is the time for you to buy gold. And remember this. There's a lot of gold companies, but Birch Gold is the only gold company Michael Savage trusts and recommends. And here is how you can act to protect your hard-earned cash, whether physical gold and silver in your safe or through an IRA or IRA in precious metals, where you can hold real gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account. It's your choice, physical or an IRA. 
Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied customers. I want you to do this to protect your assets. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. And we're going to send you a free information kit on gold and to claim eligibility for your free home safe by March 31st on qualifying purchases. You heard me right. You get a free home safe. Just text SAVAGE to 989-898. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Banks are collapsing. Gold prices are jumping. Act now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Malcolm and Simone Collins, I can't believe this, authors of the Pragmatist Guide to Crafting Religion. So before we go, what do you mean by crafting religion? So if the only thing that seems to show resistance to fertility collapse is culture and religion, then we need to mechanistically understand how it's resisting collapse and the forces that are arrayed against it. And that's what we were looking at with that book was like academically, like if the academic institutions could still handle subjects like religion maturely, how would they have thought about this subject? And so we try to break it down so we can better understand how to fortify. Because if you look at Mormons, for example, they may have already fallen below repopulation rate, but they certainly will within the next five years. They have? And that's, Why yeah, is, that's insane. Well, that's me. interesting. Why would Mormons have a declining population? Basically, the Mormon religion hasn't been reinforced in a way that makes it resistant to attrition in the face of the Internet age. They're being being ridiculed and mocked being Mormon. Think about about it now. So in the past, if you were a Mormon young man and you went on your mission and you started having some questions after really, really diving deep into the Book of Mormon and trying to convert people and really struggling, you would probably lean in to your social group, to fellow Mormons. Now what happens is you go on the internet and you start asking questions and you start seeing some pretty damning information that honestly causes you to lose your faith. We've met so many ex Damning information about the history of Mormonism, for example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, the so internecine that's, fights, that's the struggles. That, Basically, they get pulled out of their community by people who aren't of their cultural group, which they used to have some cultural resistance to. Is that happening with the Hasidim as well? So the Hasidim less. So this is the interesting thing. Why are some groups resistant to like to 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 yes. this bleed and other groups aren't? And that's what we're looking at. But it's not just that. There are so many areas. If you look at if you look at the history of religion, there are so many rhymes in our culture today. So, for example, we just went through this huge period in American history where there were two cultural groups. One that said that truth. This was what COVID was about. One said. Truth should be determined by the individual. Individuals should research what they think is true and decide for themselves. And then another group said, no, truth should be determined by people who spend their lives studying it and then are certified by a central bureaucracy. And then this other group said, no, that's that, that central bureaucracy is capable of corruption. This was the Reformation. We've done this before. Um, and through looking at the way that history has rhymed, that cultural conflicts, religion is just often a term for different cultural groups. As you talk about the, the different Christian groups and Muslim groups and Jewish groups, they share a cultural backbone, but they have split and sort of evolved, not like genetically, but like evolved differences, like picking up local food types that were popular during a certain point in their history. And this has led to differences in the way they engage with the world. And through looking at the way that these groups have differently engaged with the world in the past, we can better fortify them today against the virus, this this progressive super virus, which is eating away at everything. Progressive super virus eating away at everything. Yes. That's a good subtitle, by the way. Countering, well, so I, I always look for the titles of these things during the conversation. So I'm going to write this down, which is um, defeating the progressive super virus. I mean, well, I'm just making well, but, I mean, what what our book on religion is really about is, hey, if you have a worldview, if you have values, if you have a culture that you care about. How do you reinforce it to protect it against this virus? Or if you feel like you're growing up in the absence of culture and you lack meaning and you lack sort of a cohesive reason to exist, you know, how do you build something up that you can believe in, that you can get behind and that you would pass on and that would impart not just 
fitness from a technical perspective to your children, but also give them a better quality of life, a competitive advantage professionally. That's what the book is about. It's how to mm. reinforce and make a culture stronger or build a new one that is incredibly strong. Wait a minute. The, the book is the pragmatist guide to crafting religion. Who published the book? Uh, we we publish all our books so we can keep the price at like a dollar. Of course. And it's a much smarter business model anyway. <laughs> So they're all on Amazon. Um, but uh, wait, I wait, mean, let's slow down. Let's talk about your book. This is a business as well. <laughs> Both authors of The Pragmatist's Guide to Crafting Religion, Malcolm and Simone Collins. So I have one final question for you. You've been very nice to me so far. We've been together an hour. Uh, Simone, were your parents at all philosophically along the lines of what you and Malcolm are? Yes and no. Um, so they're very much the their Bay Area parents, both born in like San Leandro, grew, grew up there, met there. So, you know, very much Silicon Valley parents. They're very progressive. Um, they called themselves born again Buddhists. So we could say that like the Calvinist um, tradition that is further, further into my family, like ancestrally, is something that they dropped given Bay Area culture. In yes, the 60s. of course. Buddhism was very pa- fashionable. Very. Um, Even though so no, different and all way, the people but, would go into a Chinese restaurant and do like this and <laughs> the waiter would look at them like they were insane. I mean, well, I was I was born in Japan while my, my father oh. studied Aikido and then they were going to go to China where my wow. mother was going to study like Tai Chi. Like they were in it. Oh, wow. um, but I, I would say that they still maintain this kind of culture that Malcolm was alluding to earlier. That's where still like alive? we grew up, you know, with archery and guns and knives and camping. And oh, wow. Was your, is your is your dad still living? My dad is still living. Yeah. H- how old is he? Um, he's he's uh, around like 65, 66, 66. He's an Aikido man. He's a black belt. Yeah. Um. They they he was all all about it. Um. And, I knew. And, all and hold on. You've told me about your childhood where you would go to like weddings where everyone was in animal masks and naked in the woods. Like that they were. Was in not me. I never said that. No, Simone. I'm joking. That was, that was my upbringing. But that's a, that is a typical Silicon Valley upbringing. You know, you're, you don't go to weddings in churches. You go to weddings that have naked sweat lodges and, you know, a pagan oh my God. ritual. It is the way. I grew up in Queens. No one did that. Oh, well, okay. So I, <laughs> I suppose I will have to explain this to some viewers that it is the way <laughs> of the Bay Area child to experience. You were you a hippie upbringing. child in many ways, you might say. A new age hippie child. Well, your parents well, were in a polyamorous relationship. Hold on. Like, it's, it's, it's wackier. Like, they were. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Let's wait, Malcolm, please, Simone, would, would that be a wrong? This is important for the context because people are going to say, where the hell are these people coming from? Uh, Simone, would you say new age hippie childhood would be far from the truth? No, it, it would be an accurate. It would be an accurate representation of, of the truth. Because not every new age hippie was stupid or uneducated. No, and, and both my parents are, are very, very smart, educated, practical people um, who also were products of the 1960s in Silicon Valley, um, which and is Malcolm. Uh, how did you how were you raised? So this is an interesting story. Make it short now. You. Don't don't spend a lot of time on it. So, OK, I'll, I'll be quick about it. Um, my parents uh, came from uh, like Simone's before a strict religious tradition, but they sort of gave it all up for the more secular Buddhisty hippie stuff of, of that generation. But I really wasn't raised by my family. Um, I went to uh, a court appointed jail alternative when I was in sort of middle school. Um, think whoa, like whoa, you, what, you, were, you were you were a problem kid. Yeah, kind of. What did you do? Uh, what did you do that you went to a court appointed jail? So we don't know. Actually, it 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 it, it may have been a um it may have been a uh, like a cash for kids thing because it was around that time period. It may have been just my parents were in a divorce and you know they both wanted to prove the other one was a bad parent and they maybe did too good a job. Um, but whatever the reason, uh, so. Uh, we, I, I then was there. And then after that, I never lived with my family again. So middle school until college, I was always at boarding schools or summer camps. Um, and then I did my college in the UK. My undergrad was at St. Andrews. So I was well, sort of So raised, were your parents well off? They must've been well off to send you to yeah, this school. Yeah. So I was sort of raised hopping through systems. But you, they dumped you in other words. Yeah. You're an, yeah. You're an abandoned child. <laughs> no, I, exactly. I'm, I mean, I'm nice just curious. People. I mean, I, it's fascinating to me. You are, you are the most unique people I've ever spoken with professionally. 
And, you know, maybe we'll never talk again. Uh, oh, I hope not. No, I hope not as well. Uh, either another podcast or, you know, if you're out here, we'll have dinner. But it's a fascinating discussion. And I hope I'm not invading your privacy. But in order for this podcast to really work, I want my listeners to know how human me, Malcolm and Simone Collins are and how they got here. Because hippie childhood, uh, jail boy, and look where you are now. Look how successful the two of you well, are. I think how- so if you want the simplified version of, of how our upbringings led to us being as weird as we are, basically <laughs> because Malcolm was raised in a series of systems, you know, by institutions and schools, he had to learn first off that like one, adults can't be trusted, systems can't be trusted. And he learned how to navigate the systems and also wow. how to think independently. Yes. I grew up essentially raised in the cult of progressivism, meaning that I didn't think I could believe anything that didn't totally the line of mainstream progressive beliefs. Wow. When I met Malcolm at age 24, he was the first person I ever met who who proved to me that I was allowed to think for myself and decide for myself what I valued and what I cared about. And when we both started then our lives living as intentional people who had intentionally thought through what we valued, why we valued it, and how we were going to go about maximizing that, we became very passionate about protecting that ability for people to do that, those who want to do it. And that sort of made us into who we are today. Um, we are we are very unapologetically and intentionally ourselves because we came from systems where either we weren't allowed to be ourselves or where we were constantly being manipulated like a product. In Malcolm's case, do you and, have, do you have a, do you have any friends? The two of you, a lot, yeah. Uh, but I think well, no, it's an important question. In this society, having a friend is almost impossible. I find uh, interesting. Yeah. You have to define friend for us. Huh? Define friend. Okay. Well, you have a family and you have a professional life. I don't know how you, how you even have time to socialize outside of that. That's the first. Oh, we have so a this system. is how we socialize. We're very systematic about it. So we live in rural Pennsylvania and every other month we get this apartment in New York for two days. Um, and then we host a series of dinner parties and lunch parties in the apartment. Um, and so we're <laughs> able to get all of our, you know, mover and shakery people there. And then when people come, we ask them, who do you wish was at this party that wasn't here? That's like a, uh, you know, the, so then we cold email these people and they often come to the next party. Um, and so, uh, <laughs> you know. The Savage Nation, it's savage on demand. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a, a, an image to have fun with. And then we have to do another podcast another time very soon because I love you guys. Uh, You're so inspiring. So the other night, Donald Trump had a rally on and it was broadcast only on Newsmax. And I was on my Newsmax TV show every Saturday. I have one at six o'clock East Coast and he was on at 630. So I was really his warm up act. They asked me, what did I want him to say? And I I was not as complimentary as they had expected. I said, I have to be very blunt. My advice to the president would be do not attack. Ron DeSantis, because you're going to lose more voters than you're going to gain. And they almost cut me off. I felt it. And I said, no, listen to me. A lot of people don't like the put downs of other candidates anymore. It's not 2016. Hmm. So I I went through that. Blah, blah, blah. Show was over. So like three hours later, I'm sitting here watching a Netflix movie. I think this one was for the second time called um, uh, whatever it is. In my pajamas, alone in a dark room with a TV screen on, which is my favorite place on Earth at night. With the curtain pulled, so I live right next to the water on the bay. I'm 15 feet from the water on a seawall, really, with a house that could be a houseboat. And I move my eyes between the TV show, the lights of the East Bay, the bay, the moon, and the phone rings. I pick it up, and it's it's Chris Ruddy from Mar-a-Lago. And a tremendous noise at the party, the post speech party. And we start to talk. Chris runs Newsmax TV, of course. He's an old friend of mine. And he's hold on. Somebody wants to say something to you. And there's Donald Trump. Michael, how are you? How have you been? I haven't seen you. And I said, oh, in pajamas, in, in <laughs> flannel pajamas. And I'm like, oh, I said, fine. Do you know? He said, I haven't heard from you. So I said, well, I did your warm up act tonight on Newsmax TV. So he said, oh, I heard about that. I'll have to watch it later. Now, I haven't heard from them since, which means he probably didn't like the criticism. But that's an example of my social life right now. 
Hey, man, that sounds good to me. It sounds See, good our, to our me. Our social life is optimized around the amount of time we spend in our pajamas watching Netflix. That's why we just uh-huh. do two dinner parties every other month. Oh, well, yeah, we try to condense that- it. I don't want to be burdened by friendship, you know, but I need friends to survive. Well, we in the pe- world. Life is with people. It was written by a philosopher. Uh, who wrote that about 40 years ago? I found that when I was going through another one of these anti people phases, it was, I think uh, a rabbi wrote it. Life is with people. No, it was an anthropologist. <laughs> and it's true that we do need human contact to feel whole. She's saying, man, that's so sure. Yeah, but, we've got kids to provide us with. Human that's, contact. I knew you were going to say that because that's what my <laughs> wife said. You know, when the children were young, we, we had everything we needed because when the children are young, they need you and you need them. So mm-hmm. we're going to pause at this point because otherwise you and I'll keep talking forever. And I'll take up your whole day. Malcolm and Simone Collins, pronatalists and authors of the Pragmatist Guide to Crafting Religion, available on Amazon. We shall return. And you know what I'm going to do with this podcast? The minute we get off, I'm going to say, Karen and Doug, you're going to start the podcast with how they met and move that to the front. You know why? Because that's what's going to draw people to listen to the rest. If I say it's about increasing population only, eh, okay, maybe. But if I say how two people right out of Brave New World, how they met. <laughs> Look at these. <laughs> you know what I would love to? I would like to this produce a movie. And, <laughs> I want to produce a movie now, and I want you two to be the stars of a short film like a Brave New World movie about you two. Well, there's three being filmed right now with the two of you as stars. Yeah. So there's two Vice documentaries in which we're smaller players. There's one that's going to be pitched to uh, Netflix, Hulu, HBO right now. And then there's another that'll be pitched to Netflix, HBO, Hulu after that. Yeah. There's other people who've had this. No, because you guys are very unique. You're 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 like watching the future. You need to Just also talk with our younger person who runs our organization. You She's Gen Z, her. an actual teenager. She's <laughs> starting her graduate degree at Harvard next year. In and what? she is like us, Education. but so much crazier. <laughs> uh, and, but she's like actually like smart, conservative Gen Z. You'll love her. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll do it. Do it again next time. When are you coming out to the Bay Area? Well, we need to organize. A trip. We can we schedule something for you. Yeah. Totally. No, don't move it around for me. I, first of all, I'm a guy who plans stuff. And then I'm sorry I did once it arrives. I can't. I, I've lived through it already. Welcome 15. to my world. If, oh if my I God. plan a, an event, by the time I'm there, I've been there so many times. I don't want to be there. Yeah. Everyone in the family knows that. So yep. when the kids were young, if we went to a hotel and the room was assigned before we got there, the kids would sit in the lobby and not go to the room because they knew I was going to change it three times. They just sit there like this. Okay, dad, we'll see you. I go to the room. This would be wrong. That would be wrong. They didn't give me what I wanted. It was noisy. It was this. And it was all, it was all wrong. And oh you God, had to go you. back to the desk and make them hear you and make them come to another room with you in order to sleep for the night or else I couldn't sleep. I think you can relate to that. Oh, I can. No, I feel like we had- I understand you. Kinship. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. God, you guys are. I never met anyone as honest as the two of you. And as open. You're pretty honest. Me? I'm open. I'm an open book. So uh, up to a point, up to a point, everyone has to have privacy of their of their self. But, you know, I, I feel unless we talk about this stuff because we're talking about a very the reason this conversation with these two amazing people has been so great is because we got very open with each other about stuff like this uh and the fact is if we're talking about birth rates and birth and population we're talking about very intimate things on on a global scale but it actually comes down to an intimacy question at the end of the day it's an intimacy question that we're talking about Absolutely. It's the only way to spread culture is through love. You, you know, if you just have sex, if you just have lots of kids and you don't and you don't could pass your culture on to them by loving them, by making them like their childhoods, they won't pass it on to their own kids. And you've lost. Wow. That's, how we yeah, that's very devastatingly as devastatingly true. That is devastatingly true. And it's sad, too, uh, when that happens, of course. But so many people today are afraid to have children for fear that they will grow up in a horrible society. And uh, it's hard to counter it. 
I don't want them brainwashing the schools. I don't want them this. I don't want them Maoists to teach them. I'm afraid of the Red Guards arriving in America. Uh, I hear this all the time and I say they still had children. But you want my prediction of when it's going to end progressivism, this whole Maoist movement in America? Okay, they're banning everything, right? Free speech, electric uh, gas stoves. They're going to they're copying the Maoist model. The minute they say that we should kill our pets as they did in Mao's China. That's going to be the turning point, because even the dopey kids who don't understand any of this will say they crazy. They, I'm not killing my Fido. I'm not killing my little caddy, but they will say kill the cats and kill the dogs for the sake of uh, climate change, for the sake of uh, a food supply, uh, global warming and CO2, all of that stuff. You know that's coming. And once, and once it is that, I, don't tell anybody. Hush, hush. Guys, thank you again. You're great. What's the baby's name? Titan Invictus. Titan Invictus. Oh, yeah. We're going Titan all Invictus out. Collins. Why, why the Roman uh, stuff? Well, I mean, our, our first son's name is Octavian. Octavian George. We uh, believe second in son. Oh, so you're, you're raising emperors. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Although we've and got, she says, the, we got yeah. Savage in there. Torsten Savage is number two. Love yeah. that name. And so, uh, so Titan we, Invictus. We believe in nominative determinism, which means we believe <laughs> the name of your kid shapes their future. Their oh, it career. does. It's a traditional Calvinist belief. So, you know, we do it to pay homage to our, our, wow. our ancestors. Invictus. Are you going to name anyone Caesar? <laughs> we need more explosive consonants. That's something we also go for in future names. So, uh, yeah, who knows what we're going for next? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting for you know Ajax for a future son. You already bought the stalking. You won't let it? me change it. What is I know. it? No, our, our next daughter's name is already chosen, but I'm, I'm thinking about future sons. and I'm gunning for Ajax, but we'll see what Malcolm will go for. Home of Borders. Language. Culture. The Savage Nation. As another bank collapses, U.S. regulators race to prevent spread of crisis. Contagion fears are spreading. Government is lying about not bailing them out. They're bailing out investors, even though they don't have to, because it's your money they're bailing them out with. Again, inflationary pressures are hitting the banks. They're going to hit our currency with the money going to here, going to there, going to Ukraine, now to investors. What do you think is going to happen? Inflation, inflation, inflation. Shocking headlines released as bank failures shake the markets. Now is the time to buy gold more than ever before. I want you to text SAVAGE to 989-898. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. I'm Michael SAVAGE. Text SAVAGE to 989-898 now. All right, guys, you're the greatest. So then, oh, I, you know, I, I bet you're going to say to each other, why don't we invite him to one of our parties in Manhattan or something? The answer is I immediately, the minute you said it, I wanted to be there. I was there at the table. And then the minute I saw this room, but the minute you said it, I wouldn't go for three reasons. I don't travel. I hate traveling. Yes. I, I, I don't. Well, forget commercial. I don't even like private jets. OK, the family had one. Uh, I don't I don't like planes. I don't like the noise, the confinement. The, the noise in the background. If I'm flying in a plane, it's not me in a plane. It's me in a cigar tube flying at 40,000 feet. And I actually know I'm in the cigar tube. I conceptually know I don't like it. I'm, I'm kind of old school Italian Jewish type thing. Feet on the ground, peasant. I want to walk around and feel the earth under my feet and smell the air. And I want to see the birds. OK, so airplanes are hard for me. Then I get to the house we're going to. I'm going next week to Florida. I have a house there, which I haven't been to for three years. The family goes back and forth. It's on the ocean, three acres, big estate. You would say, why aren't you there? It's still travel. Yeah. And I know the house intimately from every corner. Okay. I know all every aspect of it. The ocean, the beach, Mm. the scrubland. There's no cars between us and the ocean. It's paradise, right? Is it? It's still not my bed in my cottage with, with, with my mites, my, my dust mites. You get it. it. Is, is Malcolm saying yes? Yes, yeah, the he's... horror of like a beach. I see people on a beach, the sandy, <laughs> gross beaches, drinking these cocktails where I just see like a, a hangover. And I'm like, and they're out in the sun baking. Oh, no, and it's no. Like, 
why aren't you at home in bed? No, no, son. No, I had one of those things removed when I lived in Hawaii for years. I, I became averse to the sun. I always wear hats, even in the house. You can see it's oh, yeah. a habit now I, because of the, the skin tanks. But no, the sun, I used to like the Japanese ladies in the 70s in Hawaii when I lived there. You'd see them, the older, old style with the big hats and full body clothing, including gloves during the day with an umbrella. I go, what are they crazy? Oh, the sun. They know that it ages the skin and causes cancer. No one so- seemed to understand that it wasn't the style. It was a self-preservation. Oh, they so I don't want to keep you here all day, but I got to tell you what we do. And on the vacations. archers in, 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 in the park, you'd see them lean back with these eight foot bows. You talk about archery. I couldn't believe small life men leaning back almost to the ground and letting go of the arrow and it would fly and hit the sack of hay. I couldn't believe this stuff. I love being around that culture. It's the best. The, is it side the second generation? Nisei, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nisei, yeah. That was something. I mean, we were gaijins to them. It didn't matter to me. I figured I was a stranger. It didn't matter to me. They were strangers to the Hawaiians. So there you know, I studied I studied um, ethnobotany for years. I'm a collector of um, medicinal plants. You probably don't know that rare medicinal plants. And I've been in many odd islands um, just getting to know each other. My plant collections are in the herbarium at Berkeley. After all these years, I carried around my my set of rare plants, medicinal plants, with the labels of what it's used for, genus being sent it back to the NCI for research. But I had one set. All of the other sets went to seven universities around the world. Herbariums from uh, Moscow to 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 um, to Hawaii. You keep one original set. I kept this with me for forty years. It's now in the Jepson Herbarium at UC Berkeley. All the plants in the herbarium case with all my labels. So I, I, um, I preserve culture, other cultures. Now, what would a Jewish kid from New York, why did he wind up on, a, on an islands alone with all black people? Asking them how they use the plants and studying the folklore of these islands. Why? You want to talk about how? There's got to be more to our life than we see. Right? We are what we think we are. But there's the the iceberg that we can't see. Uh, have you guys looked into the iceberg? Metaphorically inside yourself. Oh, yes, definitely. That's our next podcast. Oh, gosh, I <laughs> the love iceberg it. within. Yes. Love it. That's I can tell you title. another thing. That That's you your would title. Really just for just thank podcast. me for the title. That's a good one. The iceberg yeah, within. Good. You can That's have good. it. So, so just a note. No, no, we're finished. No, we're not. We're finished. I'm talking about for the next podcast. You could see how good we are together. This will go on again. Uh, Is that uh, Simone's previous job and one of her core things is running secret societies for the elite. So we have a lot of insight into what's going on in that world, which is pretty fun for people. You you run secret societies or you're investigating them? So, no, Peter, uh, Peter Thiel, he created a secret society called Dialogue. She was the managing director for that. Oh, wow. And then after that, uh, Eric Schmidt's organization, Schmidt Futures, contracted us to build secret society for them. That was called. Do you know all these people? Uh, we don't know the high level people. We know the people that they invite to their stuff and we know how these events are run and what's said at them. OK, alphas attract alphas. <laughs> are you uncomfortable around? Are you uncomfortable around gammas? Um, to, actually, no, I would say we're, we're uncomfortable around status anxious betas. Does that make sense? And that's most of the elite. Mm -hmm. Yes. Status anxious betas. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. We'll do this again. (laughs) All right. Have a good one. I'm so excited to follow up with you. Guys, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. And again, let me know when you're coming this way. Just give me some like a month, whenever. Yeah, totally. Would love to hang out. I'll be in Florida next week. Oh, oh, oh God. God help you. Good luck traveling. The, um... I know it's going to be a tough one. Are you going to be in Florida next week? Thank God. No. Okay. <laughs> it's kind of hard for me in a way because it's a monocultural or a cultural thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's different now. And post pandemic, it's it's got a new weird cultural infusion. There's a lot of interesting flux there. But uh, 
it's not it's a, it's a place, you know, as you well, know, the beauty for me is I can go up to to, to the Newsmax folks. They have a, a studio in West Palm Beach. Or I can go to Mar-a-Lago and have dinner with people, including probably, I hope, you know, if I want to. But that's very tense. But I've done that before. I can do it once in a while. I, I even took my suits out that I haven't worn for three years and I'm hanging them out in case I have to go to Mar-a-Lago because I have to wear the suit. Of course, I can't eat. I have a good time because I drink too much and make a fool of myself. But I'm very controlled. I know how much to drink. I know how much to titrate before I become too loquacious. Uh, do you guys drink alcohol? A lot. <laughs> what's, your, what's your favorite drink? Well, so, Malcolm's favorite drink is beer flavored water. My favorite drink is a mug full of vodka or good whiskey. Interesting, because vodka has the least, num- least number of fusel oils. And you can titrate it exactly to the level that you it's, want. Yeah, it's about the control. Absolutely. Yeah. I know that beyond two drinks and I'm you know, not there anymore. Like two, the third one, I'm already a different Michael. Oh, see, we're, um, you know, I'm, I'm Russian and Irish, so it, it's going to take a lot. more. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a double liver. I know. <laughs> All right, guys, a pleasure. You're wonderful people. I love meeting you and um, hope we do it again soon. We had, we're so. here when you want to chat. We are this here. We awesome. talking with you. Oh, we got to do it again. Our emails are in the uh, I got to be. I'll, I'll be very blunt with you. When Karen was connecting this today, I said, you know, I don't really want to do this. I want to get it over with as fast as possible. What the hell are pronatalists? I don't want to talk about babies. Jesus, I want to talk about January 6th and what happened. That's yes. all I want to hear. Now I'm happy because I had an intellectual, philosophical, spiritual, uh, humanistic discussion. I loved it. And I met two wonderful people. You're beautiful people. I hope to see you soon. Looking Glad forward to it. Bye now. Yeah. Bye. I'm going I'm to hit end. Have a nice afternoon. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.